welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game. See if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 212. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. And welcome to you, good sir. Who are you? Henry. Henry's back. I think about my name. I forgot. Well, it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to remember little things like names. Yeah. Especially our own. So, yeah. that's all right. How you been, Henry? Good. Me too, except it's been a long weekend. Half the household is down with the flu. The other half is tired from dealing with those who are down with the flu. We're almost kind of looking forward to going back to school and work, aren't we, Henry? Eh. Eh. It's kind of cold and rainy here, though, so it's a good day to play Atari games and talk about them, don't you think? Yeah. All right. We have two guest visitors. We do? Yeah. Who? Mario and Joseph. Oh, yeah. Henry's friends. Stuffed friends. Mario and Joseph. Stuff like stuffed toys, not like stuff, you know, weird stuffed uh, humans or anything. Why are they here, Henry? Because I take them everywhere in the house. Fair enough. All right. Know who, who else we take everywhere in the house? What? This guy. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship. Or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mac Hughes. Mad Mac Hughes. This is the part of the show where we talked about Mad Mike Hughes. Tell everybody who Mad Mike Hughes is, Henry. He's mad. His name is Mike and his last name is Hughes. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Can you be a little more, uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? He's stupid. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd go that far, but what what's Mad Mike's uh, deal? What's he trying to do? Trying to blow himself up in a rocket. Yeah, so he's trying to build a rocket, and what's he going to do with it? He's going to try to go in, up into the atmosphere, and he's so dumb he doesn't know how to burn up. He went, He's wanting to go to the atmosphere to take a picture. He's going to strap himself and the outside of the rocket. He's going to go up in the atmosphere, stay in the atmosphere, take a picture of the Earth. But he's so dumb that he doesn't know how to burn up in the atmosphere. Because he's going to stay in the atmosphere to, to take the picture. Want just for a stupid picture. That's not going to prove anything because pictures are flat. So while Henry was giving a summary of Mad Mike Hughes' deal, I googled Mad Mike Hughes, which I do every week as I'm talking about him. No real new news, although something did catch my eye. There's a book called Whoops Airlines by Mike Hughes. Published Is it at, Mad Mike Hughes? It appears to be. Published in 1998. Gee. Cartoon book includes 400 drawings covering the aviation industry. This is the perfect gift for those... I'm reading from the Google Books description, by the way. This is the perfect gift for those working in or retired from the airline industry. These cartoons were completed before the tragic events of 9-11. 200 of these cartoons have never been released from the vault until now. Wait, it's in a vault? Well, that's just an expression. It just means they haven't been released. <coughs> Author, Mike Hughes, Daredevil. Mad Mike Hughes is an American limo driver. You were 27. Thanks, Henry. So I'm going to the Amazon link. This is actually an Amazon link for Whoops Airlines Enhanced. You should buy it and see what it. Nine ninety five in paperback. Paper. Mike Hughes worked for Pan American World Airways and spent over thirty five years in the airline industry. He's been a travel writer for several 
This is this can't be the same guy. For several scuba diver magazines and has written the Northwest Dive Guide and the North American Dive Guide. He also has 500 videos related to scuba diving on YouTube. This can't be the same guy. Google, I think you messed up. My search up was Mad Mag. He is a scuba diver. You need to search that one up. I don't think this is the same guy, folks. Sorry to get you all excited. Wait, just to make sure, search up is Mad Mag Q's scuba diver. It's scuba diver. Nah, this isn't the same guy. It's got to be somebody else. Sorry about that, everybody. It looks like a fun book. If you're into aviation, uh, go check it out. But it's not by our buddy Mad Mike. Sorry. So what has the Rocket Man page been up to on the Twitter? Uh, nothing. The last post was still January 1st. So I don't know what's going on there. The social media blackout. Do you think that means there's something exciting coming, Henry? I don't know. The next Twitter tweet, the next Twitter tweet from the Rocket Man is probably going to be Mad Mike Hughes, the dummy, burns up in the atmosphere. Oh, I hope not. I mean, he's kind of a goofball, but I don't want anything to happen to him. Well, he's driving himself to a rocket and launching himself into the atmosphere to take a, a stupid picture. It's not going to prove anything. Well, all right. Hopefully the next uh, social media post won't be quite that dramatic. But, you know, we'd like to hear from you, Mad Mike, if you're listening. And I know you are. Um, we're, we're missing your, your updates, buddy. We want to know what's going on. Oh, well, that's it for this week, I guess. Gonna prove that the world is flat. Uh, I don't have any other news to report this week. Do you have any other news this week, Henry? Anything no. you want to talk about? No. Anything you want to share with the listeners? No. Okay. Uh, well, let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is... What is it, Henry? I remember. <laughs> Henry was not impressed with this week's game, which is Backgammon from Atari 1979. When I was Henry age, I remember playing a lot of Backgammon, like the physical board game Backgammon. Um, a lot of times you can buy it in a, a little briefcase kind of thing, and you open it up and it's the two sides of the Backgammon board. But I have not played since then, probably, so I was pretty stumped when I read the rules, or tried to read the rules today for backgammon, and there are a lot of them, at least for Atari backgammon. This manual, this has to be the thickest manual I've seen for an Atari game. And honestly, we got kind of bored reading the rules, which is reflected in the sort of meager field report that you're going to hear later. So I'm not going to try to read all of this to you. I will give you the history of backgammon, however, because that's a thing I like to do. Um, we're using the paddles for this. That was kind of fun, wasn't it? Uh, except one of my pedals has a disturbing little rattle to it. Um, clearly something's broken inside, which I think can be said for a lot of us. Backgammon in some version has been played in various parts of the world for over 5,000 years. It is possibly the oldest war game still being played. It is suggested in early writings that the game was originally designed to train soldiers for combat, as backgammon has all the intricacies of any war game, strategy, position, and timing. It is both a game of skill and luck, which probably accounts for its longevity. How? What? How is it a game of skill and luck? <laughs> There's no part of luck about it. Uh, no? All the luck you get from that is, is the luck, all the luck you get from backgammon is if you know how to, is if it's the luck of, of you know how to play it. Okay. 
Well, that's fair. Well, that's kind of like war too, right? The winner is the one who's better at strategy and and uh, outwitting their opponent, right? So if you know how to play, so to speak, you're better at war, right? I don't know what war is. You know what war is, right? Card game? Well, there's a card game called war, yes. We played lots of war when you were younger. You know, like battles and stuff. Soldiers and fighting and like stuff. Fi- like the army soldier game that we have on the Nintendo 64. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good game, too. Too bad this isn't a Nintendo podcast. The most ancient possible ancestor to be found. All this is in the manual, by the way. Uh, so far, dates back to the ancient civilization of Sumer. The Egyptian pharaohs played a similar game. Game boards were found during the excavations of King Tut's tomb that are akin to backgammon. The ancient Greeks and Romans played different forms of the game that were mentioned in many of their writings. A form of backgammon was played in the Middle East long before the Crusades. In fact, it is believed that the Crusaders brought the game back to Britain with them where it flourished in the 8th and 9th centuries. I have a feeling that the programmer of this game was a nerd who was into this war history and thought, hey, backgammon keeps coming up. I'm going to make that into an Atari game. And everyone else at Atari was like, okay, I guess. And then he did it. The earliest written men... I'm sorry, Henry. What? We need to play backgammon, the board game. Yeah, I've got it down in our cabinet somewhere. We'll get it out. Maybe it'll be easier to... Uh, to figure out that way. Cause you only, I, I think of what you were saying. You only played the board game. Yeah, I never had uh, backgammon for the Atari as a kid, but I know I played it in uh, you know, like physical backgammon. It was kind of fun. That was physical backgammon. Okay. The earliest written mention of the name backgammon was made in 1645 in a description of the game that is very much like backgammon as it is played today. That's like when you dis- were born. <laughs> You're funny. I know. The rules of today's game were set by, down by Edmund Hoyt, Hoyle, excuse me, Edmund Hoyle in 1743. How do you get How do you get Hoyt from Hoyle? I'm old, Henry. My eyes don't work. My eyes they don't work so good. That's why I need glasses. The object of all the variations of the game from its beginning to now is to move your game pieces around the board and bear them off before your opponent does. So, yeah. we're using we, like we said, we're using the paddle controllers. I'm sorry, Henry, what's that? And that's why it doesn't make any sense. Because we were playing two-player. And we were playing two-player. And then and then Dad placed his down, and then he his turn was kept going. And that says once, the, once, your, oppo- once your opponent places the, places the thing down, and then it's your turn. But that never happened to me and Dad. So we're using the paddles. I said already we're using the paddles for this game. When it's your turn, you uh, there's a yellow cursor telling it you it's there your turn. There was no yellow cursor. That's true, Henry. I never saw the yellow cursor either. I turn the knob on the controller until the cursor is on the point from which you wish to move your piece. The, you press the button the, to pick the piece up. The things were yellow. The things were yellow when you pit when you picked which slot you wanted to pick. Yeah. And then and then once you. And then, and then once you then once you picked up once you picked up something, you it didn't turn yellow. So use the red button to pick up your piece and move it, and then you move it around the board with your uh, with your the knob. Sensitivity is really high. You deposit the piece with the red controller button where you want it to go, and the computer doesn't allow you to put a piece on a point that does not correspond to the number shown on the dice, which is true because we got 
yelled at a lot by the computer because we just you know, weren't. I tried every spot. Yeah, we're we're very tired this weekend, so we were not really able to sit there for long enough, frankly, to figure this out. Because um, it, it was not it, it was at, not real intuitive. It's a it's saying like. Uh, it's saying like add up, it's saying like add up the dice, and then put and then put the thing wherever how many and after how many spaces the dice is, and I've tried I so the dice is old and I tried every single stupid spot there was and it didn't work, and none of them worked. Yeah. The manual has a nice diagram of what the board looks like. You have the white outer table and yeah, inner the table. The board doesn't look like that. It doesn't, have, it doesn't have the numbers. The coloring is slightly different. That's true on the screen. That may be our, our TV. The red outer table and the red inner table. Because that, that's the board game. I there, think that's the board game. The one. board is divided into two halves or tables. The divider is called the bar. The inner table is the portion at the top. The outer table is the portion at the... Or excuse me, the inner table is the portion at the bottom. The outer table is the portion at the top. And then the table, each table is also divided into half. The red player's home or inner table is on the lower right side. The white player's home or inner table is on the lower left. Red player's outer table on the upper right. White player's outer table on the upper left. It's much easier if you have the diagram to look at. Each player's inner and outer table has six points. The point is the area in which you rest your pieces as you move around the board. Each point is numbered for reference, starting at each player's inner table. The white side is numbered 1 through 12, starting at the bottom left of the board. The right side is numbered 1 through 12, starting at the bottom right of the board. And then we get into all this minutia of how the moves work. The moves are governed by casting the dice. At the start of the game, the player can each cast one die, which is done automatically by the computer. The player with the highest number begins first, using the number count on both dice. On the playfield, the die on the left represents the white player. The die on the right represents the red player for the beginning roll. The color of the dice corresponds to which player won the roll and will begin after uh, will begin the game. After the initial move, each player rolls and moves alternately. In difficulty A, the computer rolls the dice for you. In B, you can use your own dice and dial in the number to the computer. In one-player games, the computer plays red. The white player must move counterclockwise casting off or bearing off, removing the pieces from the board, from the white inner table. The red player must move his or her pieces clockwise around the board, bearing off from the red player's inner table. And then it gets really complicated. There's stuff about, a, you can get a blot, which is only one piece occupying a point. If you have six consecutive points anywhere on the board, you have established a prime. The player lands on a blot belonging to the opponent. The opponent's blot is hit meaning the piece occupied at that point is removed to the bar, etc, etc. There are doublets when you roll double numbers, like a 3 and a 3. And when that happens, you have to move the number shown on one die four times. Clearly, back in ancient times, when they were developing the, the uh, ancestors of Batgammon, they had way more time on their hands to figure this stuff out and make the game as complicated as possible. I, I can picture you had, like, Fred and Barney, the ancient Egyptians, sitting there, making up this game and they have this board in front of them and their rocks that they're using as pieces and Fred is like well let's just move these guys this direction and then we can you know whoever gets to the other side first and then Barney was like no 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 man let's make it so that sometimes when you roll it you have to move like four times what the dice shows and then Fred was like well what are dice and Barney's like oh yeah we gotta do that first and then they had to invent dice 
and then they came back and said, so what's the thing with the rocks again? We move them four times what's shown on the dice? And Barney says, yeah, that sounds good. So I'm picturing that that's how it worked. Uh, and they made this thing as, possi- as complicated as they possibly could. Although I guess if you break it down to the simplest version, trying to move your pieces to the other side of the board before the, your opponent does, you, basically what you've got is checkers. So they've made it a little more complicated with this other stuff and called it backgammon. So there's a bunch more stuff to know in the manual as far as what different moves are called. Uh, I'm not going to try to explain all that to you now. Just know that it's there. A lot of you out there probably love backgammon and you think I'm doing a horrible job of explaining it, so apologies. Uh, Oh, I will mention this. If a player has borne off all of his or her pieces and the opponent has not borne off any, haha, you suck opponent, Um, the game is called a gammon. The opponent loses twice the stakes, times whatever is showing on the doubling cube. So that's where the gammon part of backgammon comes from, what I guess. What does it mean, though? I have no idea. Exactly! And that, let's say, is how you play backgammon. Did I miss anything, Henry? I know. <laughs> he doesn't know. That's fair. Wikipedia, that purveyor of all knowledge, says that Batgammon for the Atari 2600 was one of the earliest electronic versions of Batgammon. The cover art, which I don't talk about much, but since it's here, I'll mention it, was by Chris Spoon, or Spawn. The cover art looks nothing like the board game. Yeah, I don't have the cartridge here in front of me, but I think that's correct. He did a lot of the cover art, apparently, for uh, Atari games. Contemporary reviewers were relatively positive about the game. Creative Computing Magazine said the game was was excellent for someone learning Batgammon. Okay. And it's providing an interesting challenge to beginner and intermediate players. What you got, Henry? And no, it looks oh. nothing like it. Yeah, so Henry just brought me the cartridge, and it really doesn't... It, it sort of has a background or, or backgammon board in the background. background. You know, sort of the beige and brown and tan and stuff. That's what I remember, like, the backgammon games that I would play as a kid looking like. And then you got a guy who might be Bob Ross... Uh, sitting there. Looks like it. It's not really, but it does look like him with the bushy hair and the beards and stuff. Just kind of hanging out there. So, yeah, it really doesn't look anything like the very multicolored, you know, reds and greens and whatnot on the backgammon board on the game. Electricfrankfurter.blogspot.com did a piece about backgammon for the Atari 2600. Observes that any game that can start out somewhere in ancient Persia and survive to be translated to the dawn of the video game era and information age is cool by default. Seriously, I, this person writes, I think backgammon gets a raw deal because it looks like a stodgy old game for dusty old folks who have nothing better to do than wait for death. In reality, the game is deceptively simple, All right, easy to learn, and lots of fun to play. And it's not fun to play, and it's not easy to learn. I said it's easy to learn. No, it's not. I'm listening, Henry. I'm just also reading while, while you're talking. You younger folks out there may be asking, why in the hell would anyone in their right mind make a video game of something like Batgammon? Good question, until you realize the historical context of the game in question. The 2600 was the vanguard of the, of the home video game console. It was helping to define the future of video games. So how do you do that? You do what You look at what came before, board games. Your first challenge is to see if you can translate already popular board games to your fancy new computer system. Just program it. It's called programming. This is why you have so many games like Checkers, Chess, Bridge, and Casino. No video games were popular at the time, but lots of board and card games were. 
So if you want to draw a crowd, you take things they already like and show how much cooler they would be on your new fan uh, on your newfangled device. Then they uh, give a description of how backgammon on the Atari works. Clearly, this person spent way more time digging into it than Henry and I did today. Yeah, because he said it's easy to learn. Why mess with this video game version? It would be akin to playing video game Monopoly, but someone still has to be the banker. A minor gripe, but certainly a legitimate one. I guess there are a few people out there for whom this is the only version of backgammon they own. Don't overlook backgammon for the VCS or otherwise. There is a reason it stuck around for 5,000 years. It's a fun game that requires good strategy and a little luck. I hope I've been able to convert you over to the backgammon side of the force. And if so, I'd love to hear your story. So that person liked it, Henry. I didn't. Henry, <laughs> Henry did. You're already skipping ahead to the part where I asked you if you liked the game. And I think I already know, because you just said it. Wickrain Wonderland says, Really tried to give this game a chance and spent far more time than usual trying to get it to work properly. I must, must admit I do not know a lot about backgammon, but I read through Atari's manual and thought I had a pretty good idea about how the game is played. Too bad the game seems to bend the rules, making it far more confusing than it should be. For example, if you're playing against a computer, you're supposed to only be able to move clockwise. Alright, I wasn't dreaming, Henry. However, after attempting to move my piece the allotted number of points in that direction with no luck, the game does not allow you to place the piece on an illegal point, I went counterclockwise just to see if it would work. Sure enough, it did. There are other glitches too, such as the cursor inexplicably disappearing on the bottom row of your inner play field. See? This guy agrees with me. What? I thought I was dreaming. There are times when you're only supposed to be able to move counterclockwise, but you can go actually go clockwise. I'm very much a noob, and I may not entirely know what I'm doing. However, given what I do know about the game, this version seems broken. If anyone has any tips, please let me know. Grade C. I think this guy's on our side, Henry. What? I think this guy's on our side. That this game is messed up. I know! Um, but I do kind of feel bad, because like I said, real backgammon was fun. We'll get the real backgammon game out later, Henry. Yeah. And see if we can figure it up. Alright, anything else I want to look at for this? Let's see. Well, after the break... Moving from one side to the other in life, as in this game, is what it's all about, baby. Sometimes in life, there's a game that you come up against and it defeats you. This week, that game is... Backgammon. I think it's fair to say that a combination of a thick book of rules and this having been a long weekend for us, uh, we are just not getting this game this week. Henry is valiantly trying to play Backgammon right now. I'm trying all the spaces. None of the spaces work. It's a really good looking game. Uh, lots of colors. It looks like a backgammon board. Uh, you got the dice up at the top. The, the computer is rolling. We're playing game two. Um, playing game one. Oh, oh, that's right. We're playing game one now. One player. In the background, Bug is viciously shaking her head. She doesn't understand this game either. I tried all the spaces. None of the spaces work. That annoying uh, noise that you're hearing is, is Henry trying to place his pieces in different places. And the computer saying, no, 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 you can't do that. And I, and I got to one that I placed earlier, and it only placed it after it was. feels like the instructions said, white player moves clockwise, but Henry's moving counterclockwise, right? No, I'm moving clockwise. Are you actually moving clockwise? Okay. So 
So I think you should move six and place your thing, because you had a six and a one. Wait, does the move count? I'm not sure. No. Try putting it over there. With, with the other ones. time to sit study these instructions and if my game partner was up for you know an hour trying to figure out how to play this game we may be able to do more uh, but we're not what do you think Henry are we defeated no. by Batgammon no. I think we're defeated by Batgammon I think the game is broken that's what I think Henry thinks the game is broken I tried all the stupid spaces none of them work let's just say the game is broken we can go with that. All right. I only got to place it once. Back to you in the studio. Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games, which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's x-e-g-s, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast, but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, very short stories inspired by old games and odd thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks. So here's the thing about backgammon. I can't wait to do this. Henry, do we like backgammon for the Atari 2600? No. <laughs> Can you sort of summarize why we don't like Atari, Atari 2600 backgammon? Two words. It's broken. You think it's broken? Yeah. Like Woodrain Wonderland, you think there's something messed up with it? Yeah. Now, to be fair, you've never played, like, physical backgammon. So, I've seen it. So you don't, know the, you don't necessarily know all the rules. You don't have live experience with it. Does this Atari version make you not want to play, like, regular backgammon? Regular you, are you still interested in playing regular backgammon? Regular backgammon is probably easier. So you're still open to the idea of playing it? Yeah. But you're probably not going to play the Atari one anymore? No. That's fair. I, I also was not crazy about this version. Uh, I remembered having fun playing backgammon as a kid, and I did not have fun playing backgammon today. So, mm, no. that's unfortunate. All right, well... Let's get on to the best part of the show. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. 
Henry, do you have a story you'd like to tell no. based on backgammon? No. All right, so we can go right to my story? Yeah. This week's story is titled, Get Back, Gammon. The hazelnut latte at the Coffee Nut Hut on 43rd was just okay. Not as good as it was at the Coffee Nut Hut on Myrtle Boulevard. Can I say something? What? Thinking of commercial. It's not just okay. It's from a commercial. Hold on. What are you talking about? It's from a commercial. What? It's from a commercial. <laughs> for a commercial for what? I don't um, remember, but it's from, it's, I remember it's from a commercial. Okay. Is, do you, hey, do you think it's a commercial for someone who would like to sponsor this podcast? I don't know. Remember who it was, and we'll give them a shout-out, and then maybe they'll contact me and give me money for the show. Okay, that's probably not going to happen, but a guy can dream. You should get sponsored by YouTube. That would be lovely. YouTube, if you're listening, uh, you know, hit me up. Uh, can I do the story now? Sure. Okay, thanks. The hazelnut latte at the Coffee Nut Hut on 43rd was just okay. Not as good as it was at the Coffee Nut Hut on Myrtle Boulevard, but that was across town, and besides, whenever Bryce Gammon found himself on that end of town at that Coffee Nut Hut, he had to get the white chocolate, because theirs was to die for. The brownies were better, too. Something about fresher walnuts, maybe? Anyway, the Coffee Nut Hut on 43rd was all right. All right in a sort of a limited way for an off night. Thank you, Paul Simon. But if the hazelnut latte was just all right, Chad the, barist, the barista was amazing. Bryce was pretty sure he was already in a relationship, but whatever. The coffee was pretty good, and sometimes Chad threw in a scone or two for free. You ever do that thing where you think of yourself in the third person, like former U.S. Senator Bob Dole? You're doing it now, after looking up Bob Dole. Well, Bryce Gammon was doing it too. Bryce Gammon likes the whipped. He muttered to himself as he took in a generous dollop of whipped cream on his beverage. Bryce also had a tendency not only to think of himself in the third person, but also using both first and last names. He should ask Bryce Gammon's therapist about that. You were a little late today, Gammon, Chad said as he brushed some biscotti crumbs off the counter. Missed you earlier, he said. Bryce Gammon's already caffeinated heartbeat pounded faster. He liked the way Chad referred to him by his last name made him feel cool in a way he most definitely was not. Sorry, off schedule today. I had a dog thing. Bryce Gammon's labradoodle, Marco, had been having intestinal problems. I had to dump a hazelnut that was waiting for you, because it got cold, Chad said, smiling. Bryce Gammon couldn't tell if Chad was teasing. It was stressful. To make things worse, Chad's eyes, hazel, like Bryce's preferred coffee, went wide as he pointed with a trembling finger at something behind Bryce. What's wrong, Chad? Bryce said. Get back, gammon! What? Bryce started to say before the wind rushed out of him as he was slammed to the floor. He felt hot breath on his neck as some creature panted above him. Chad leapt over the counter and with a grunt pulled the beast off of Bryce. Shoo, he said. Go on now. Bryce stood on shaky feet, catching only a glimpse of a tail rounding the corner of the coffee nut hut. Was that a big dog? A lion? What was it? He asked. Chad paused. I'm not at liberty to say. Bryce blinked a bit. Um, what? Get back, gammon! Chad shouted again, slamming Bryce to the floor himself this time. Bryce rolled over just in time to see Chad's beefy arms swatting away a swarm of vampire bats. Each one wore a tiny cape and carried a stir-stick-sized machete. An unimpressed biscotti baker 
covered in hair and baking flour, casually opened a window so the bats could fly out. You okay? Chad said. What the hell is going on here? Bryce asked. I mean, sorry, sorry, but I don't understand. Confusion? Chad said seriously. You sure those bats didn't bite you? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. How are your feet? Any swelling? Can you still feel your penis? Any sudden urge to eat humans? I'm fine, Bryce said, owning up to irritation now. Tell me what all this... Get back, gammon, Chad shouted. Here we go again. Allow me, Bryce said, and put himself on the floor just in time as a herd of three-headed llamas stampeded through the shop. Tables and chairs scattered in every direction. The rack of today's newspapers was shredded. The espresso maker clattered to the floor with a clatter and a hiss, steam filling the room. Once the llamas had, once the llamas had gone out the back, Chad helped Bryce up. Crazy, huh? He said. Those llamas had three heads, Bryce said. Not as weird as the machete bats, though, am I right? Chad said. Tell me what is going on, Bryce hissed. He was having trouble liking Chad right now. Chad uneasily glanced at the biscotti baker, who only shrugged. Well, see, the coffee nut hut sits on top of a portal to a distant planet inhabited by exotic creatures. They're not supposed to, but once in a while some of them wander into the wormhole and end up here. Chad smiled and held up his hand submissively. Whoops. Bryce looked around to the shambles of his favorite coffee shop. But why... why would you... The rent was good, Chad explained. Good amount of off-street parking, the biscotti baker grunted, then appeared to go to sleep. Make sense, Chad said. Bryce wasn't sure if Chad was looking for an answer. He was equally unsure that the, what the answer would be. I better go. Marco has probably liquid-trapped on the carpet by now. Bryce was dazed and turned to leave. Get back, gammon! Chad yelled again. What? What? Penguins with bad B.O.? Snakes with claws? Howling spiders? What the hell is it? Bryce screamed as he first set a table upright, then crawled under it. Oh, no, Chad said apologetically. You just forgot your coffee. Bryce stood and retrieved his cup. Know what? That one's on the house, Chad said. Bet your ass it is, Bryce mumbled. Every day after that, Bryce set his alarm a little earlier so he could make it over to the coffee nut hut on Myrtle Boulevard. It wasn't all bad. The barista Mitchell was hotter than Chad, and the only, the only creature encounters Bryce had to deal with there was this one lady schnauzer who, who liked to bite Bryce's ankles. Oh, and Markle's intestinal problems have cleared up. The alien gut plumber that now lives in Marco's colon says hi. <coughs> And that's our show. Thanks to Henry for stopping by again this week. Thanks, Henry. Sorry about the game. Maybe next time we'll have a game you like better. Mm. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You, that's right, you, can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers. How do I know that? Because you're listening to one right now. But make sure whatever you do, you align your pieces in a, what were those things called? A bone? Uh, uh, here. Make sure you align your pieces in an AC-Ducey, to use a backgammon term. I still don't know what that is. But make sure you do that so that you can leave an optimal five-star review over there at Apple Podcasts. Because not this episode notwithstanding... 
people are going to want to listen to the show. Email the show at AtariBytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, look us up on Instagram. we got to come up with some good pictures to put on my Instagram, Henry. You can help me come up with something. Oh, yeah, don't forget, you can call and leave a voicemail, too. I'm never, ever going to answer the phone. Henry's not going to answer the phone. But you can call 563-265-1978 and leave a message about anything you want, and there's a pretty good chance I'll play it on the show. We're waiting to hear from you. Check out the website, www.carnivalofgleecreations.com. You can get information about this show, links to episodes, social media, uh, links to episodes, social media, and info about my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. The monthly uh, deep dive into all things related to the iconic Peanuts comic strip, which you know that you are a fan of. And if you're not, you should be. And even if you're not, you know someone who is. So you should be listening to that show and telling them to listen to that show. Please consider supporting the show financially. There is a cost to doing a podcast. You have to pay a host, in my case, Libsyn, uh, to put the show out. There's costs for equipment and whatnot. Uh, you know, got to keep the lights on here at the studio. Henry's not cheap. I got to, you know, there's an expense involved in putting a show together. So please consider becoming a subscriber on the Patreon project. Um, if you do, there's a chance you can get episodes early. You can get uh, bonus episodes. Once in a while, we do bonus stuff for the podcast that you don't get to hear uh, on the regular show. Lately, we've been looking at the animated cartoon series uh, Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures, but you're not going to hear about that on this show. If you want to hear about that, you got to be a subscriber. You can join Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, and... Welcome to our newest patron, Aerospike. Welcome, Aerospike. It is great to have you there. Uh, someone had to keep an eye on those other people, so I'm glad that you're there. All right, that's about it, other than telling them what's next on the show next week. Do you have anything else you want to tell people this week? No. All right. Well, next time on Atari... I got to do the voice. Next time on Atari Bytes. Indy 500. Unfortunately, not an Indiana Jones game. It is Indy Racing, the Indy haven't, 500. Haven't we already done that? Indy 500? Yeah. I don't think so. You think we have? I think I remember. We'll tell you what. We'll check with the people uh, up in the manager's office and get back to you on that. But right now, I think it's Indy 500 that we're playing next week. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.